I love that song. My mind, I guess, would be classified a visual mind. When I'm reading something, I, I don't think I used to be that way growing up. I think it's something I disciplined myself to. I wanted to visualize. That song just takes me through periods of my life. How many knows that God is always an on-time God? As they went through that series of him providing or healing or delivering, I can remember the time. I can remember the place. I can remember the anxiety, the angst, the, the struggle, the suffering, the sickness. And he shows up every time. God is so good. Along with that, he offers us something else, and that is to be a new you. When you say that expression today in this culture, there's a lot of different ways to become a new you. Some people do it through diet. Some people do it through hair coloring. You don't have to raise your hands right now. We already know who you are. <laughs> Sometimes we do it through these gurus that take us through uh, uh, regimens of exercise. Sometimes, uh, uh, can I have a witness on this? We get a new wardrobe. Oh, come on, people. And then the others that you, I know you won't raise your hand about, sometimes you have to do a little nip and tuck. Oh, some old me's out there. But he offers us a new you, but it's not through any of those measures. I want you to stand with me one more time as we read God's word together. Colossians chapter 3, such an important word today. Colossians chapter 3, I'm just going to read the first four verses. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We thank you for your word, Lord Jesus. We give you praise for it. You may be seated. What an incredible passage that could so easily be read in a devotional and miss some of the things that are so important to us today. The first word that we read together right there is only two letters, but it is so important, and it's the word if. I can remember my senior year of high school, that was the motto for the senior dance, the, the prom, just seeing those big words up there with the glitter, if. I've often thought back to that word in my mind, again, being visual as I'm going through things because, you see, we have the power of choice. That if word says, which way are you going to decide? Which way are you going to go? In this case, he's speaking of salvation. Notice again what he says, if then you have been raised with Christ. It's the most important question you'll ever ask yourself in your entire life. It's, there's a lot of important questions, but nothing more important than this singular question. Am I born again? You say, pastor, that, that's kind of elementary, isn't it? No, it's foundational. And there's a difference. How many people have been churched but never been born again? They've been around church. They've been around Christians. But it never became personal. 
They like what churches do. They like the fellowships. They like the athletics. They like whatever. They like association. You're social creatures, all these things. But are we truly born again? It means exactly what it says. Why are you being so demonstrative today, Pastor? Because one thing that I see way too often is so many people living pluralistic lifestyles. In other words, life mixed up. It doesn't remain singular. There is a pathway to glory. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way to everlasting life, but only a few will find it. Broad is the way, wide is the gate to everlasting destruction. This word if, if I'm born again, we find ourselves being pluralistic. We find ourselves torn and twisted. We find ourselves so caught up in life. How many knows you got to live life and you have responsibilities, but you can be consumed by life? It brings with it its dreads and its fears and its pressures. And you find yourself being pressured so much that it squeezes out anything that has eternal, lasting life to it. This, again, this expression that we use today, multitasking, we confuse the two. For many of us, especially you ladies, oh my goodness, what you do, the incredible work that you do as mothers, especially compounding all the work that you've got to do and just constantly dealing with life. I've often said, I'll say it again, I, one of these days I'll pull this, this off and do an illustrated sermon. I can remember as a child watching black and white TV. Back then those variety shows, they would have several sticks on the stage, and you would come and you'd start spinning the plates. How many are with me? The young ones have no clue. Sometimes it'd be five, six, seven, eight plates, and you think you're doing pretty good, and you look back, and it isn't just the first one that starts wobbling. The fourth one wobbles before the first one, so you have to get to that tension. And then the first one is wobbling, and you're coming over here, and then you've got to go down here to number seven. Oh, number two. I got two of them going at the same time, and you find yourself just spinning the plates. Bruce, I'm going to put this on you. You've got to pull it off. That'll preach, folks. And if it's all you're doing is spinning the plates and watching the plates, you forget how to live. Ooh, come on. I'm born again. I'm not who I once was. I've been given a brand new life through Jesus Christ, my Lord. I am a new you. I just have an old body. That was a joke, folks. You're supposed to say, oh, no, pastor, you look great. I am born again, a new creation. I'm not just updated. I'm not just improved. I'm born again. Born of spirit and not just flesh. We've got to get this. The subtility of, of the enemy just keeping us active. Again, I've given this quote many a time. A Christian psychiatrist of yesteryear, his name was Young said, hurry is not of the devil, it is the devil. Life, 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 forgetting. I wonder without a raise of hands, I mean, say, you know, I used to do my devotions at night, but I am so busy anymore. By the time I get home and open my Bible or bow next to my bed or whatever your routine may be, I fall asleep immediately. I'm just tired. It's what life will do to you. My intention was great, but I fell short. 
Again, that's why this scripture is so important. I'm going to give you an extra little nugget. It won't cost you one extra dime in offering today. I'll come back and expound on this some other time. But 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 7. This is, a, this is an incredible scripture. 1 Kings 6 and 7. Gives us a picture of what's really happening to us now in this life. And it's referred to the building of Solomon's temple yesteryear. Because you see, that's exactly what's going in our life right now. How many knows your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? But what you'll find in 1 Kings 6 and 7, as that building was being constructed, there was not a hammer or a chisel or a tool of iron that was heard at the temple site. Everything was done at the quarry and out in the woods. Every stone was chiseled and squared and delivered to the temple. Never again would there be a sound of work at that temple. All the work had previously been done. All that happens at the the temple was that it was being assembled. That's the picture of why we're still on this planet. And when all the work is finished, Brother Jeff, that's when we get to be assembled with the family of God. Oh, that's good stuff. So sometimes as we go through life right now, you feel like, man, I'm just being squared up right now. I'm, I'm getting chiseled. I'm getting, I'm, I, I don't like what's going on. I feel the chips coming off, but he's at work in our life. If we're born again. And then he makes a statement. Seek the things which are above. That's not enough in itself. Because how many of us, again, very honest would say, I like to think of heaven. I like to think of Jesus. I like to think what that first encounter would be. You heard me refer to a little earlier, my overseer out of Arizona went home to be with the Lord yesterday morning at 8.15. What is he experiencing right now? Wow. But in that, it's not just enough to seek those things above. Oh, we may have those moments like, okay, Lord, I got some extra time. I'm not really pressured right now. I'll, I'll open my Bible. I'll pray a little bit. But how long, how long has it been since I've meditated upon what he has for me? He told those disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I'm going to prepare a place for you. How many knows he's preparing a place with your name on it? Luke, I don't know if you can hear me right now. I don't forget your hearing aids back in, but you might have bulldog stuff on the walls in your room up there in glory. The point here is, seek those things that are above and then set your minds. You see the difference? It starts with the seeking, but you've got to set your mind. It's a discipline. It's like any other discipline. If you want to be a new you in the natural and it comes through a gymnasium membership, if it comes through meeting with some life coach, if it comes through whatever, you have to discipline yourself to the time you're to meet that instructor. You've got, instructor, you've got to, you've got to go to the, those weights that you're going to be lifting. You've got to go out to, to the track that you're getting ready to run. You've got to get the right shoes, all those things. It's also speaking to us of our minds. It is proven that our minds... Feeding our bodies thrive on one thing. Medical science has proved it. Psychiatrists proved it. We thrive on love. Our bodies fall apart when it's filled with fears and dreads. 
When we set our minds on those things above, how many knows there's no more death there? There's no more anguish there. There's no more lawsuits there. Can I have a witness in the house? It's a place where we're fully alive and fully aware of him and his presence. Again, setting our minds upon those things that are above. Notice the verse that we didn't read just ahead of this. And again, for those of you that may just be starting a journey with the Lord and reading a Bible, we have chapters and verses today, but that's not the way it was originally written. That's for our benefit today. But look at chapter 2 and verse 23. Speaking of us, when we try to make our own religion, it says, These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism, which means strictness, and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. How many of us, all of us, but how many times would we say, you know, I tried to stop myself from doing a certain thing, but I was powerless to stop it. I could say no for a while, but then it shows up again. We use an expression today, binging. I did great for a long time, but I binged. You see, in ourself, we're too weak. If we try to just become a good person in ourselves and not be truly born again, we will fall short. We'll run out of energy somewhere. We may go longer than everybody else we know, but it's not enough. It cannot. It cannot stop the indulgence of the flesh. How many knows your flesh is powerful? This means yes. And there's only one thing that can overrule that flesh, and it's spirit. We were born again of spirit. I know this is a very sound message today, but man, it's worth being here today. We have to be reminded of who we are in Christ and what he has offered to us. And it's not, just, it's not good enough just to be good. We could line us up and we could all have a test and we could figure out who was the best person in the house, but it's not enough. It's coming back to this reality. I'm seeking those things and I'm setting my mind upon those things. John eleven twenty nine. 29, Jesus simply says, learn of me. He's the one that we need to sit at his feet and learn how to do these things. You see, the one thing God gives us above everything else is we have the ability, the incredible ability to choose. We live in a time where we, it's easy to find somebody that come along and say, well, you, you, it really isn't your fault. Somewhere along the day, we have to take responsibility. God's given me the ability to think. God has given me the ability not only to think, but to choose. And I choose life. I like what the one songwriter says, when you, when you truly learn to set your mind upon those things above, I've been seeking him, but now I'm setting my mind. I'm disciplining my mind. I'm, I love meeting with my Lord. I love the time in prayer. Oh, at times I still wrestle and I'm weary in body or I, I, I'm just covered up with struggles, but I'm learning to lean more and more on him. I, I know what's happened in my life as I learn to surrender how many's learned how to cast your care to him? How are you doing with that? Sometimes it's hard to cast it to him, isn't it? You want to know why? Because we want the credit. I got through this. 
Boy, it's quiet in the house today. Folks, we got to get ready. Jesus is coming again. And he's not coming for everybody. He's coming for those who are seeking, who are looking, and who are longing. In this reality, he's speaking to us in this ability to choose, and he, he reminds us that as we set our minds upon him, he'll keep us in perfect peace. Learning that in these moments, he gives revelation. How, how long has it been since you've had revelation? Where it just, it's just as if he comes in and sits down with you and speaks to you. How many of you experienced that in the last week or the last few days of opening up the word of God? It's like, oh my goodness, this is a love letter written directly to me. He's speaking to me. Or somebody preaching a sermon is like, oh my goodness, you got in his ear, got in her ear to speak to me about this situation. How many have witnessed that? Again, seeking those things and setting my mind upon them. But here's the real secret. Spoiler alert, <laughs> we're dead. We died. And in Christ, I've been made alive. The Bible simply and truly tells us that we are to set ourselves aside from sin. Consider, you see, you hear the, the ability to think, I've got to consider myself dead to sin. How many's learned that sin is enticing? How many's learned that there's pleasure in sin? Come on, somebody. And there are those times that that pleasure is speaking to you. You've tasted of it before. You want to taste it again. And in your self-made religion, you'll say no, but you're powerless. It will pull you. Here's something that speaks to us every day. The pull of earth is so strong. If I ask everybody to stand right now and jump, some of you might get up two inches. Some of you might even get up 12 inches. Some of you, Carson, could probably get up four feet. But you know what's going to happen, Carson? You're going to come right back down because the pool of earth. How many of you got weeds in your yard? You ever pull one of them suckers? And when you pull it out, it's got a root like that. And you're like, really? I thought it'd have a six-foot lead to it. An inch and a half. And it fought me like that because that's the pull of that which is natural. Oh, that's good, isn't it? And it also shows up in this battle of spirit and flesh, the pool of the indulgences of the flesh. I'm powerless to it. Oh, I can, I can wrestle with it for a while, but it keeps pulling. Somewhere along the way, we're just saying, I'm going to give up. I'm powerless against it. And yes, I am powerless against it, but not by his spirit. Folks, we need to get serious about this stuff again. Be filled with the Holy Ghost 
baptized with the power of the Holy Ghost, to be fueled with the power from on high. They were endued with power where? From on high. It didn't come from the earth. There's another pool going on, and one day it's going to speak to a whole bunch of believers at one time, and gravitation will lose its pool one more time, and God say, I'm going to bring you up to me and rapture us out of this place. He does that in our spirit as well. There are times that I am lost and I am undone and I'm weary and I'm weak, but I'm praying and I'm holding on and I'm trusting. But I come to the end of myself and say, I need you to do what I can't do for myself, Lord. I need you to lift me up out of the miry clay one more time. I need you to lift me up above the circumstance one more time. I need you to put mount up with wings as eagles. I need to soar above this and I can't do it in myself. If you're born again, if he is the one in charge. Galatians 2 and 20, you ought to know this one. I have been crucified. I have been crucified. I've been crucified with Christ. The life I live now, I no longer live the way I used to live. I live the way he leads me. In this flesh, I live by faith. I have, I've wrestled if I should do this, and I'm going to do it. Just as we close, I don't know your story. I don't know if you had Christian parents, Christian grandparents. I don't know if you had a particular pastor or Sunday school teacher or children's church worker that you just adored and Got attached to him, a youth pastor. Maybe you have none of those things. Maybe you haven't had somebody that you love so much, but you had to say goodbye to because the appointment for death came. For many of us, we'd say, I got more on the other side than I've got left here. But whatever the case, I want to tell you about one particular woman that God put into my life. I won't go through all the details that I would love to tell you about. It would take two or three hours. But her name was Magdalene Stowe. She was a simple mill worker in Monroe, Georgia. She was sick by the time I left Ohio to go to Monroe. I was 23 years old. Magdalene was dying with cancer, bone cancer, slow type cancer. As I got starting to visit her, I heard the stories about her faith. Lived in a mill village, simple life. She worked in that mill. She gave her heart to the Lord, and along the way, she wanted to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. She prayed in the altar many times, it hadn't happened. And finally, finally, she said, Lord, I, I want you, to, I love you more than anything. What is it on earth that I could give up to prove my allegiance? And I'm not saying that's for everybody, that was her prayer. And it came to mind she loved Coca-Cola, but them mill workers called them dopes. She said, I love those old dopes. And she said, Lord, if you'll give me the Holy Ghost, I'll never drink another dope again. She went to revival that night, and she was filled with the Holy Ghost. Spake with tongues. She never drank another one. But when you would go, I was told if you go to her home, she kept the Cokes in her refrigerator, Coca-Colas. And she would invite you to have a refreshment, but she would never drink another one. She made a commitment. 
By the time I knew her, she was already being hospitalized. She was in a hospital room for one and a half years. When I would drive from Walton County to Cab County, by the time I'd get there, I'd be thinking about what I could say to lift her up. She always lifted me up. I fell in love with this lady. We talk about the things of the Lord. You're talking about seeking those things above and setting your mind, setting your heart. To conclude, just a wonderful life and so many other things I could share. I would drive up every second or third day. The distance would prevent more than that. And as I got in her room on the sixth floor at Cab General Hospital, I walked in the room and the way she was lying, I thought she had already passed. Now this is a woman that it didn't even take any kind of medication for pain management. By the time she died, the bones were so brittle, some of them had completely dissolved. They tried to bathe her by moving the sheet, and finally they had to quit on that. She would feel pain for a moment. They'd try to give her medication. She'd say, no, I, 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 can't, I can't have that. And the Lord would give her strength to endure through that immediate pain, and then the pain would just go away. She's one of my heroes, folks. But finally on that day when I walked in her, I thought she had passed and, and I walked up to the foot of the bed like this and I'm peering at her and I'm getting ready to tell somebody I think she had passed and her eyes opened. She about scared me to death actually. <laughs> she called me Brother B. She said, Brother B, an angel of the Lord was here just moments ago standing right where you're standing and I'm telling you I felt like electricity was going through my body I've got some of these stories of yesteryear when there wasn't as much pain management going on as somebody was passing how real how vivid I didn't know what to say to her and she said brother B you know what she said he you know what he told me that by this time tomorrow, I get to go home. I spent some more moments with her, prayed with her, and left. The next morning, I got up and just knew I had to get back to the hospital. I got delayed. I didn't get up there till right at 12 o'clock. I wasn't thinking about it at all. And I walked into the room, and I saw her there again, lying just like she was the day before. And then all of a sudden... She opened those eyes one more time, looked at me, and smiled with the most beautiful smile, and then left this world. I wasn't thinking about it to that moment, Jim, but I looked on the wall. It was exactly to the minute where I had been there the day before. I want you to stand with me today.